cancer journey is unique for everyone. It is time to figure out our new normal, and there's no one-size-fits-all manual. Welcome to the Cancer Cliff Notes podcast with Jen Cochran, because surviving is just the beginning. Welcome. I'm here today with Elaine Gibson. She's an extraordinary woman cited as one of the world's top 10 natural cancer survivors by Extreme Health Radio. Having beaten stage four cancer without traditional protocols, Elaine shares her hard-won lessons for living a clean, healthy, and natural lifestyle. Once she began making healthy changes, she lost 28 pounds and dropped four to five sizes. Today, Elaine, the founder of Renewed Living, is a published author, sought-after motivational speaker, workshop facilitator, private coach, and a green-juicing, loving grandmother. And I'm proud to call her one of my friends. Thank you for being here with me today, Elaine. Oh, thank you, Jennifer. I'm so excited to be here and I'm thrilled to call you a friend. I love that you're doing this podcast and I'm honored to be part of it. Thank you so much. I would love for you to start out by sharing with the listeners your story and how you got on the journey that you're on now. Sure. I believe it was the very beginning of 2001. It was right in the middle of tennis season. I was a UST tournament tennis player at that time. It was a busy season and I was at the chiropractor as I often am during tournament season. And he we had adjusted my back and he was adjusting my neck. And then he went, Elaine, how long have you, this was a Monday and I had been to him on Friday actually. He said, how long have you had this lump in your neck? And I said, I don't know, David, you're kind of the only one that touches my neck like that. You tell me. Thinking I was being cute and funny, I wasn't being. One thing led to another. Being very assertive to not taking anybody else's schedule, I pushed my way through the medical timeline. Their timeline is different than mine. And a few weeks later, we uh, learned that I had a very early stage non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And I could literally like feel, it became like a sausage, sausage links. And I could literally feel them daily growing. I had been in the green technology business. That, that was my career at the time. So I knew about peripherally other things going on. I chose to take an alternative route to begin with. That was my plan A. I know I, I always knew that I had conventional therapy is plan B. And I went to a clinic in Mexico and I was there for two weeks and I came home. What I did there was something called low dose chemotherapy called IPT. And literally they can target the areas of your body that have disease so that you're not getting, you're not getting a chemotherapy throughout your whole body. It's just targeted. So for me, it was just really targeted in my neck. And I came home and in six months I was clean. It was awesome. And I was followed by my oncologist here. Five years later, she said, Elaine, you're done. That's it. This thing is not coming back, which was great. And surprise, a year later, Nevin and I had been at the Galapagos Islands. It, I believe it was like 2007 uh, in December. And we came home and in January, I started feeling funny in my body, just like all in my torso. Sometimes it would be in the front, sometimes it would be in the back. So I assumed that I came home with a parasite. I mean, what else would you think, right? And once again, I started and, and I went from one to another to another. Everybody was stumped. And they finally did a PET scan. And it was like, oh, crap, this thing is not done. And I got a call from my oncologist, who I had not heard from. 
This is the day before Nevin and I were leaving for our first real vacation in two years. It turned out that I was in stage four non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, and I spent about six or seven hours trying to convince the airlines that I was not lying to get out of our tickets. And three days later was Valentine's Day, and I was on a plane to Mexico again by myself. This time I went for three weeks, and I was really in trouble. Again, I had low-dose chemotherapy, except, I mean, the truth is nobody expected me to, to recover. So I had low-dose chemotherapy, hyperbaric chambers. I had ozone encephalation. We had, we had everything going on. I came home after three weeks. And Nevin came down for just a few days. So I came home. I was covered in shingles. I was a mess. I was home for one day. And I, Nevin had driven me to, to CVS to get the cream for the shingles. And I went like this to my hair. You can't see me over here. But I put my hand through my long hair and it came out in my hand. Nobody loses their hair with low-dose chemotherapy, but I did. Anyway, that scared the you-know-what out of us. And I knew that I couldn't go back to Mexico. I mean, I was really in trouble. So I went to uh, find a clinic, because this is several years later, and I was hoping that maybe in Philly or Atlanta, somebody in New York, somebody would be doing this treatment. Turned out that there was a facility who was now closed right here in the Fairfax area. I spent from September 2008 to December 2009 there doing low-dose treatments, doing everything. I had a um, far infrared system in my home. I was getting IVs. I was doing everything that we knew how. And then in 2008, I was deemed clean. Yay. Here's the challenge. As you know, Jen, I mean, I was scared every minute of every day. And let me tell you something really interesting. When I went to this center and the first day I was getting treatment, the nurse, Carol Ann, who of course then became my angel, <laughs> she had a deck of fairy cards and she opened it up and she said, pick one. And I said, what are these? What do I know? I'm a Jewish grandmother from New York City. What do I know? <laughs> fairy cards, right? I swear as God is my witness, I picked out miracle healing. Perfect. That of course, nobody's ever picked that before. And it was, it was a miracle that we were on our way. When I got my diagnosis, I, I never, ever thought I was going to die. I was very naive about what was going on, or maybe I was being protected. But I came home and I fell to my knees. As you know, I have this beautiful needlepoint rug in my living room, which, which we now all lovingly call my magic carpet. And I literally just fell down to my knees. I'm like, God, I know I'm not going to die. Just tell me what you want me to learn. That's how I approached this. I, I didn't go to support groups for people that were on a cancer journey. I chose to go to groups where people that I could find were the healthiest people that I knew. And I, I left no stone unturned and I literally began to change my lifestyle. A year and a half after I got my being clean, the second time when, when I, they said I was in remission, I was clean and I found the Raw Food Institute and I was introduced to raw foods. And previously in September 
of 2008, when I was really in this intense crisis, that's when I found ionized hydrogenated alkaline water. Because I was, if, if anybody's ever seen a PET scan, it's like a Christmas tree, lights up where the disease is. Well, I was lit up my entire lymphatic system. So I was lit up from my neck to my groin. It was in fact, I, don't, I would never look at the, those films anymore. They're out of my office. They're put away in case anybody needs them. I don't even want to touch them. As soon as I started um, absorbing the oxygenated and hydrogenated water, everything started to fall into place. I had already given up dairy and wheat and sugar. I had done that before. So this really made a big difference. And I, I learned through my research from Dr. Otto Warburg in 1931, Jewish-German um, Nobel Prize winner for medicine, the connection between oxygen and cancer, and that cancer is an anaerobic cell, which means it cannot live in the presence of oxygen. And oxygenated cells run their course and they die out. And, and as we know, cancer cells just keep duplicating and replicating and multiplying. And that's because they don't have the energy. They don't have the oxygen. So that was a lot of what was put before me that I, I was able to embrace. And then I found the Raw Food Institute and I went there, I lived there for a week. Lisa Wilson handed me, she's the owner of the Raw Food Institute. She handed me, when you first came in, there were like 25 of us there for the week, a glass of green juice. And I literally drank it for two hours. I kept going back for more. I was embarrassed. I was lit, I was so embarrassed, but I was, I was feeling something, and and my cells were craving, and it was like they were going, yeah, Elaine, you're finally getting this. Once I started to embrace therapies at home, I continued to do the water. I have a far infrared um, sauna at my house that I continue to use. In fact, I still use a biomat every single day for an hour every day for an hour while I meditate in, in bed in the morning. That's how I start my days. I've got my rebounder and I, I have continued that. And as I started to add the raw food lifestyle, I mean, you know, I was fighting for my life. This was, was no fooling around. And the magic started to happen. That's when I lost my weight. I, lo I dropped 28 pounds without trying I felt better than I had before. As you know, today's the middle of March. On Mother's Day, I'm going to be 74 years old, and I feel younger now than I did 25, 30 years ago. I have more energy. I, I mean, I like the way I look better now just because I'm healthier and more vibrant. And the energy, the vibration, the depth of what I'm feeling. But here's the thing. Once I understood the science behind it, I realized that it's not people who are in crisis only. This is the science behind everything being healthy. And this is why plant-based is so important. It's all the vibration and the energy and all that. I'm not afraid anymore. It's so that's, interesting. I mean, that's the biggest miracle of all of it. I no longer live in a state of fear. I live in a, a state of abundance and joy and gratitude. That's amazing, and it startles me. It really does. And when I get upset, and it takes a whole lot to get me upset, but something's going on, and I'm like, stop, what do I do? 
I go for my green juice and I go for my water. And I know that that's such a strong foundation that I'm always in game mode. I'm always in an active solutions uh, and, and an active awareness. And that's amazing. Everything shifted. My family shifted. I mean, they're healthier now. Everything is different and it's better. And it's, that's why I'm so glad to be here with you. I mean, for people to really understand the things that you're talking about, people don't have to be afraid. They just have to learn. It was, a, you know, Glinda says, you know, to Dorothy, my dear, you always had the power within you. You just had to learn it. Yeah, I love that idea of active awareness. I remember I had had a negative reaction to something a while ago, and I later found out that it was causing my something in my blood levels to be off. Like I was just super fatigued for several days, and I couldn't really eat all that much. And I was in the grocery store for something, and I could smell peaches. Like just this overwhelming smell of peaches. And I was like, I, I need peaches. And I, I really hadn't had much of an appetite for like a week. And I bought these peaches. Mm. And I bought like a dozen peaches. Because I was like, oh my <laughs> God, I need peaches. And I went home and I like you drinking the green juice when you got to the Raw Food Institute. Like I ate like three peaches and all of a sudden I was feeling better. And then... I was looking in one of my Ayurvedic books and I was like, oh, peaches help to level mm-hmm. like the components of your blood. And I was like, huh, mm-hmm. isn't that interesting? Like, I didn't know that when I went to the grocery store, I just knew like my body was like, you must eat peaches. <laughs> and it was, it was just wow. so interesting. Like, just but having that awareness and that curiosity for what makes my body feel good, what doesn't make my body feel good. Right. And being okay with omitting those things that don't make it feel good anymore. Like I'm celiac and I have a dairy allergy. And when I say that, people say, I'm sorry. And I'm like, it's really not a big deal for me. Like I know that when I honor that about my body, I feel good. Right. I don't miss those, those things any longer because I know that those things were making me unwell Right. when I don't have them. I feel good and my body works the way it's supposed to and I'm not missing anything. Well, it's so, it's amazing that um, people think that that's a deprivation. When you live according to what serves and honors your body, you're really living in abundance. Absolutely. That deprivation feeling is when you're putting stuff in your body that your body doesn't want. And it's, you know, it's all about those small whispers that we get. Yes. Yeah, it is. There's nothing that describes deprivation for you or me. There's nothing about depriving ourselves in the way that we live. (laughs) And I love, I mean, you, you talked about the peaches and your body needed to be grounded and it, and it went to, it went to exactly what it needed because our bodies do know But I love, I mean, I love going to farmer's markets. I love, sometimes I'll just go to Whole Foods or I say Whole Foods because I'm, I can walk to Whole Foods and just walk through the beautiful produce department and I feel better. 
already. Absolutely. Actually, I'll say this one thing and then we'll take a quick break. Okay. Um, I love what you said about the whispers. I often tell people if we listen to our body when it whispers, we don't have to hear it scream. Exactly. And that's really one of the discoveries that I made on my journey. Oprah has a great quote about if you don't listen to the whispers, you get the brick. Yes. Yes, that is and true. All the things, you know, I mean, I had a lot of whispers before my diagnosis. And what did I know about that? And I got a brick because there was nothing that I was hearing until then. I had pneumonia twice the year before my diagnosis. I never had pneumonia in my life. And I, nobody said to me, well, let's take a look at your immune system and see what's going on. No, just here's some more antibiotics, you know, but that's another conversation. Yeah, those whispers are there. And when we learn to listen for them, we hear them. Absolutely. And if anybody can get anything, anybody who hears uh, you and I speaking on this 30 minutes that we're going to have to talk to people, if they will just come away with the concept of listening and being aware that our body is always, always speaking to us. And if we can tune in, whether it's a headache that we're getting because we're dehydrated, whether it's something that we needed that you had in the peaches, you know, what I had, if we can just be aware that there are whispers, then we are more likely to hear them. Absolutely. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we get back, we're going to talk more about renewed living and some of the technology components of that and hear more of Elaine's story. We'll be right back. Enjoying the Cancer Cliff Notes podcast? Come on over to the Facebook group where you can join the community and participate in the conversation during the week. I hope to see you there. Now back to the show. Welcome back. I'm here with Elaine Gibson and we've been talking about her journey. And one of the things I loved about our first half of our conversation was about the whispers. And I think it's so true. Like you talk about them in terms of like what our body is craving from a nutritional standpoint. And I have always talked about it in terms of what our body is craving in terms of movement and dealing with the whispers of aches and pains before they become screams. And I think that's so true. Like it's so correlated in Oprah's quote with, if you don't listen to the whispers, you get the brick. And I think that's in all sort of realms of life. Like I've known people who then maybe laid off or fired from a job that was really not their right job. And they knew it wasn't the right job. They knew that they weren't happy and they knew that things weren't going their way. And so many times I've heard people in that situation who were able to get curious about that situation and turn it into, this was actually the greatest blessing of life because it forced me to make a different choice Mm -hmm. (laughs) and find the place where you're really supposed to be. Kind of listening to the whispers and all really applies to all areas of our lives. So I'd like for you to share a little bit more about some of the discoveries that you've made along the way 
as you've been listening to the whispers. Absolutely. Well, one of the things that I want to really point out, and as we, we talked about when we learned from Dr. Otto Warburg about cancer being an anaerobic cell, if you think about acid rain, and the foundation that we always want to bring into our body is oxygen and, and the, the right energy. And the way we do that with our foods, I want to be sure that people have an opportunity to hear this, is that 80% of what we eat needs to be alkaline. I want to say that again, because this is the one thing that has the potential to change everything. 80% of what you put in your body needs to be alkaline. And it's really the basis of the whole um, Extraordinary Living Made Easy method that, that we've created and that we teach here. But I really want everybody to hear that. You talked about decisions and, and changes and one of the things that I discovered along the way is that there's something called decision fatigue. I first learned it when I read about a study of Israeli judges, parole judges. There were three judges that were followed over a period of time, and they saw that the leniency, the decisions that they made were in direct proportion to when they ate. Interesting. So the further away they were from where they ate, the closer to the status quo they stayed. When they had first eaten and they were nourished and, and, and they felt really good and they felt better, they were doing more innovative things. Maybe they would help somebody or they would, would not just say, no, you know, here, go back, whatever that was. And that led me <laughs> to uh, study about decision fatigue. And basically what happens is that when we are tired in my quest, everything that I do, my intention is to come in and the people that I work with totally disrupt their status quo, totally disrupt their status quo, just really get on a path back to peak performance, which is where we want to be. When we are tired, we do not have the mental or physical energy to do something new, and we default to the status quo. And I want everybody to really think about that, whether it's your food, and we're, we're talking about this part here. The interesting thing is that what I do is really the easiest thing to do. People say, oh, Elaine, it's so hard for me to do new things and this and that. Actually, it's really not because you're eating anyway. This is not behavior mod modification. This is not going to the gym. <laughs> this is not behavior modification. This is just going to a different part of the same store. So this is what happens. When we stay in the status quo, when we don't make changes, we get louder whispers. We don't accomplish as much we want. We wonder why we're not living our dreams. You know, you talk about somebody who's being in a, in a situation, let's say a professional or a job that they really don't want, when they're not feeling great, when their body is not on top of its game, they don't have the mental or the physical energy to make a change. So they stay in the status quo. And I really know that decision fatigue is creating or is keeping us in our status quo and being in that status quo with decision fatigue is costing you millions of dollars yeah. as well as your dreams. Absolutely. 
So in decision-making, we have three choices, status quo being one of the larger components. Mm -hmm. When you look at decision-making, a majority of decisions end up staying in that status quo for all those reasons. So your other choices are to voice or to exit. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So voice that mm -hmm. you're unhappy in a job or that you aren't feeling fulfilled or that you're not feeling nourished or your energy levels are bad or however that is showing up or however you're languaging it, or you can exit, leave a job right. or whatever the, the case may be. And in the, in the case of food, we don't, we don't have the option to exit or the, the exiting option could be processed food or something. Exactly. That's, that's exactly that's, what happens. Yeah. And you know, the, the funny thing, uh, Jen, is that it's easier to prepare fresh food than it is to prepare things that are in a box or processed foods. It's much easier. People say to me, oh, Glenn, I could never do what you do. Well, of course you could. You know, that's, that's your decision fatigue. But I would rather, they say to me, Elaine, juicing is such a pain to clean the juicer. Well, I would rather have my hands in fresh produce than in a greasy roast. That yeah. to me is like really gross. This, this decision fatigue is a really big deal and it's so easy to fix. It really, really is. Sometimes it's as easy as when, even when you're going out to a restaurant, just looking at the menu and selecting a few things that you like in different dishes and asking this, the service people to create that with you rather than going into, I was at an Italian restaurant yesterday with somebody and they had this really big, heavy, and everybody around me was eating like that. And that was fine for them, but it was so easy for me to look at the menu and see they had avocado here and they had olives here and they had this and that just to put it together. Those are not difficult things, but again, you need to hear the whispers. You need to find a way to get out of that decision fatigue because in all honesty, who's ever listening to this, Jen, who's ever in, in earshot of what you're doing, we really need you to be your best. The world is really right for you to be your best. That's really one of the discoveries that I made about decision fatigue. It's so important. You know, one of the other things is that one size does not fit all. Absolutely. And I speak with women all the time who are trying to follow something that somebody that they know is doing. There's so much conflicting information out there that our heads are exploding. It's just everybody trying to get in the game, but when you stick to the basic, 80% of what you eat is going to be alkaline, then it's really easy because when you're not, at the very basis of everything is what I've discovered is that our cells are starving and our cells knew, know exactly what they needed. Your body knew that you needed those peaches. Right. You could have been attracted to anything else in there, but your body knew exactly what it needed. When we're not feeling well, when, when we can't lose weight, when we don't have enough energy, you know, sometimes I know women say to me, you know, Elaine, all I want to do at three o'clock in the afternoon is sneak out of work, go to my car and nap for 30 minutes. Or they, they kind of cringe when someone takes out the cell phone to take a picture at somewhere they are because they don't like the way they look. When you're having trouble shedding pounds, when you're exhausted, when you just don't feel right, it, the basic science is that your cells are starving. You don't have enough oxygen 
and life force in your cells. And that's really the bottom line. Listening to the whispers and getting yourself in a place where you can make good choices. There's a great expression about small hinges open big doors. Yes. And by us making small actionable information that we can put into our very busy lives, small choices. These are the hinges that open the big doors. This is not rocket science, what we're talking about. This is really very, very basic. We have to tune in and decide that we want to open some big doors. Yes. And one of the things that I love about the work that you do is that you do really meet, and this is something that that's true for both of us, but we really do meet the people we work with where they are. I've been in workshops with you before where, you know, you're assessing what percentage of your food is, is alkaline. And, and I've heard you say to someone that had like, I don't know, a a 5% or like a really low number. And you're like, that's okay. Can you get to 10? Exactly. You don't have to go from five to 80. Right. Right. And it's, it, that might happen in one selection of one item on your plate. Mm -hmm. No one that comes into my studio, I'm not like, they'll see my marathon posters on the wall. And I'm like, yeah, I didn't just get up one day and decide to go run a marathon. Like I went out for a walk. Exactly. And you came home with four medals. I know you, four or five. I know you. (laughs) But there's, you know, we all start where we are. Exactly. Then we go from there. And I'll say to people, all people come in and they'll say, I can't lose weight. And the first question I'll ask is how much are you sleeping? Mm -hmm. Like how many hours are you sleeping at night? And is it a good quality sleep? Are you up frequently? Like, what does that look like? Because it might just be that if you can get to bed an hour earlier Mm -hmm. every day, that might start to flip the switch. Yep, it does. Well, there you get into decision fatigue again. Right. <laughs> right. You know, as you know, even when people tell me that, they, that they're not sleeping, we look at the food they're eating. Right. So that we know that you have to have magnesium foods from four o'clock on, you know, things like that. It's so, so true. It's easier than it sounds. You mentioned about the, the percentage of raw that somebody is ready for. About four years ago, and I still had the same mentor, Karen Noller from the UK. She's the raw food coach. And she really helped me take everything that I, once I found raw foods and, and really start to learn it and embrace it. And she'd written a book on your food personality. And when I was studying with her, I was at the, you know, sometimes you go away to those retreats and people ask you about, they want you to create your perfect life and, you know, dream about this. I always dreamt about somebody making my juice and somebody making my food. Now I'm a certified chef. This is like really funny. And my self-talk was that, how could you be so lazy? How could you not want to make your own juice? How could you not want to do all this? I realized as I was studying with her originally that my food personality was such that it was called a functional leader that I love it, but I don't want to make it. And as soon as I saw that, it released my self-talk, which I was very happy to get rid of that self-talk. And I said to her, Karen, you have got to find a way to certify me in this area of subject matter. Because I have to bring it back to my 
my piece here in the US. So I am now the only person globally certified at this time to assess food personalities. And there are 10 food personalities. And, you know, as you know, that's a big, big piece of where we start everybody. So one of the things that I learned and the discoveries I made is that one size does not fit all. And what works for one person does not work for somebody else. That's really important. Like we learned from Cinderella, one size does not fit all. That that glass slipper only had one foot that was going in it, and it was hers. But that's, that's really so, important. Yeah, that is so important. I find that with fitness as well, right? Like, mm-hmm. oh yes, so many options out there, and everyone's option is the best. It's the best way to lose weight. It's the best way to get mm-hmm. boned. It's the here's the thing. It's only the best if you love it. If you oh don't love it and it is a chore, you will not do it. It will yep. not be sustainable. It will not matter what kind of results are possible. Wow. If it's not convenient, if you don't love doing it, if you don't feel a connection to the people that you do it with, all those things. Yeah play a role. It's it's the same thing with food. Absolutely. It's so true. And again, there's so much crazy information out there. So many gimmicks out there. Many years ago, I was in a dinner theater. I was in the show Gypsy. Gypsy is the story of Gypsy Rose Lee, famous burlesque performer. First time she went to the burlesque theater that she was performing in, she was greeted by these three strippers. And nobody took their clothes off, but they all had gimmicks. The number was you got to have a gimmick. If, if anybody ever gets a chance to see that number, I was the blonde that lit up in the dark. And then I, I always look at everything as like, you got to have a gimmick. And that's everything out there. The science is the science is the science. Let food be thy medicine. Medicine be thy food. Thank you, Hippocrates. That's actually how I'm trained as a raw food educator in a medicinal area you know people saying oh yeah i eat raw and then they put their smoothies that are all fruits and bananas and dates and i'm going oh my god no wonder you feel horrible yeah the science is there and small steps getting your energy so you can make really good choices it doesn't take that much to do that it just takes having somebody who's been there who can literally reach their hand out to you and say, come with me and let me show you how. Yeah. And it's, you and I have talked in other contexts as well about choices. You know, it really is about making the choice. Oh yeah. Making the choice to do the thing, whether the thing is to make sure that you're nourishing yourself in the best way for your body or moving your body in the best way. Like you have to make the choice first. We can't want it more for them than they want it for themselves because that never works out yeah. for any of us. Right, exactly. That's so very, very true. And, and again, we have to be in a place where we can physically and mentally make choices. Yes. And it's, it breaks my heart to see friends that, that I know and love who progressively get worse because they're not listening to the whispers. Yes. And we live in a in a society too that values speed. Yes. A quick fix. When it comes to our body, if we've been sort of in these places for a long period of time, or I'll use the the idea of massage therapy, I'll get people that come in and they've been in pain for six months. It started out as like a nagging shoulder, neck adjacent thing, and now they can't turn their head. 
So now that's, you know, challenging. They are having trouble driving. It's, they get a sharp right. pain and they come in and I'm based on what I'm seeing and what you're describing and the length of time this has really been going on. I would say it's probably going to take like four to six sessions and it's, I wouldn't do them more than two weeks apart. You can right. do it more frequently. That would be better. But, and they're like, you can't just fix it today. Well, no, like this has been going on for a long time. You're saying that you've potentially had this going on for nine months to a year. Like, no, it it can't (laughs) fix in an hour. That'd be great. But no, that's not how it can only be fixed in an hour. If you crick your neck and you call and go get a massage, it's not causing you pain yet. It's just a little nagging discomfort. Like that can be fixed in an hour. That can be fixed in an hour. (laughs) Something that you've been enduring because you didn't have time to go get it looked at or take the time to do the stretching or whatever. The things that we hear so frequently are, I don't have the time or I don't have the money. Right. In both of those things with our fitness and our nutrition, those are the things that if we don't take care of this body, we have one body to live in. Right. So we can't trade it in. We can't trade it in. And I, I just really, it, it breaks my heart when people say to me, oh, Elaine, I just don't, I'm too busy. I can't think, I can't bring one more thing into my life. And then things just get worse. And then it progresses and it's, and sometimes it's too late. Uh, you've heard me say this before. I think we treat our cars better than we treat our bodies. We, we bring certainly them, do. We bring we them in for do. their regular maintenance and their oil changes. And we make sure that they're, you know, get a nice bath at the car wash. <laughs> and we do all the things. If we curated our bodies the way we curate some of the things in our life, whatever that may be. For some people, it may be their car. For some people, it may be their garden, you know, whatever, Uh whatever the case may be. Think of that thing that you take the best care of and then make sure you're doing that plus for your body. That's awesome. That's so true. Of course, our cars give us a warning light and then they stop working. (laughs) Well, there's that. I I used the example a couple of weeks ago, I was in a workshop and I asked the people at the table if they pay their electric bill. It's like, do y'all pay your electric bill every month? And everyone kind of looked at me confused. Like, of course I pay my electric bill. I was like, well, why do you pay your electric bill? Well, I pay my electric bill to keep the lights on. Right. Mm -hmm. So why aren't you paying your own electric bill? Like, why aren't you paying the electric bill on your body? Because you have to keep the lights on. Why isn't moving your body with some regularity and leaving your desk every day? Like, why is that not a priority? Why is not putting the best food that you can into your body? That needs to be our priority because we need to pay the electric bill on on our body. That's so true. That's so true. You know, our cells are like a garden and they need the finest soil to flourish. And yes. To bloom. And sunshine and water. Yep. All the things. All the things that the garden needs. I always just like to feel that the best thing is just to understand that we want to eat from God's garden. If it doesn't come from God's garden, I don't want it. I don't want to eat cardboard. Absolutely. Well, it has been a pleasure. As always, the time just runs away. I would love for you to share how people can get in touch with you if they want to learn more. Sure, that's great. I can uh, be reached at renewed 
livinginc.com, R-E-N-E-W-E-D, livinginc.com. We have a great community. We have a wonderful newsletter. You can subscribe and get recipes and tips. You can reach out to me there. I think you'll enjoy it. We'd love to have you as part of our community. Well, thank you so much for being here with me today. I really appreciate it. And thanks for all this wonderful work that you're doing. Thank you. So many great nuggets of wisdom with Elaine Gibson today. Thank you again for sharing your story. Elaine and I are big proponents of the idea that small shifts can yield big results. Remember, those little hinges open big doors. So that's the focus for today's Personal Consciousness Minute. Your challenge this week is to take a few minutes and look at where you have whispers calling you to make a change. Just notice what came up when I even posed the challenge. Now think of a small action that you can take toward that change and then go do it. Again, this isn't a big thing. It can just be a small thing. It can be trying out a new dish. It can be going out for a walk. It could be talking to a colleague about potential other opportunities that might be a better fit for you. Just choose one small action and then go and do it. And then come on over to the Cancer Cliff Notes Facebook group and join the conversation. Have a great week and thanks for listening.